All right, I'm very excited to introduce our uh, our guest for this week's show, Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff is the CEO of Euro Pacific Capital, the chairman of Schiff Gold, and the host of Schiff Radio. Peter, thank you very much for joining us on Consumer Choice Radio. Oh, thanks for having me on. Great, great. Uh, so, I mean, I, I became aware of, of you and the work that you did um, it sounds weird to say, well over a decade ago in the lead up to uh, 2008. And you were one of the few people at the time predicting uh, various aspects of the financial crisis, mortgage problems, and, and what have you, and how it actually ran much deeper than that. Uh, a lot of people are saying that we're on the brink again in terms of COVID-19. From your view, where does this differ from the 08 crisis and how bad are things actually going to get? Oh, well, first of all, this is way worse than that. I mean, we were already on the brink before COVID-19. So you could argue that COVID-19 is what pushed us over the brink, uh, but we were going to go over anyway. Uh, and, you know, remember, 2008 was a financial crisis, but what caused it uh, was a bunch of bad debt because, uh, real estate prices went down, and then people who borrowed money using real estate as collateral didn't pay. And so the banks lost money, and that was the financial crisis. And, of course, you know, there was also a lot of consumption that was related to phony wealth because people thought they were richer because their house was worth more. So they spent more and they borrowed more. And so we had a, a sharp recession. Uh, but now – this is a much bigger financial crisis because it's not just real estate debt that's going bad. It's pretty much all the debt. I mean, you know, all businesses can't pay. Individuals can't pay. So it's a much bigger credit crisis. The losses are going to be much greater for the lenders because far more uh, debts are going bad. And it's happening at a time where we're in, we're in worse shape. right? We have a much bigger debt bubble that is popping now than the one that popped in 2008. And in 08, the pin was the real estate prices going down. This time, the pin is COVID-19. But it doesn't really matter about the pin. What matters is the bubble. And that is the problem. Everybody is focusing on this pin, and they're ignoring the bubble that the pin pricked. So in terms of that pin prick, um, I mean, obviously, like you said, the, the housing bubble um, in 08, we saw housing prices go down. Uh, do you see like how far reaching do you see the impacts in terms of industry? I mean, Yael and I have talked about it week to week that um, this very much feels like a like an 08 financial crisis, but for multiple industries, not just or multiple sectors, not just the housing market. Do you see that happening to other core components of the economy and, and which ones oh. maybe stick out to you? Well, certainly when it comes to real estate, too, it's not just residential, it's commercial. So commercial real estate is going to get obliterated, right? It's It's been propped up by artificially low interest rates that were even lower than the ones that were propping up the market uh, before 08, except the commercial market held up in 08. Even though the residential market you know, collapsed, the commercial market held in, uh, mainly because of the Fed slashing rates. Uh, but this time, it's not going to help. I mean, because rates were already practically zero before the Fed cut them to zero. So it's not like the drop in rates is is that substantial a game changer uh, for the commercial 
market. What's going to crush the commercial market is going to be an absence of rental income because a lot of the tenants are going bankrupt and they're not paying their rent. So you're going to see really a perfect storm for commercial real estate because uh, office uh, demand is going to be down. A lot of small businesses are going to fail, but a lot of other businesses uh, are realizing that their work, their workers are going to work from home. Uh, and, and so if more people start working from home, uh, then uh, the businesses don't need as much space. So mm -hmm. there's going to be a glut of space for sublease. And also you've got companies, you know, like WeWork going bankrupt and all kinds of space on the market. So I think the uh, market's going to be depressed for office space. And then, of course, the weakest segment is going to be retail. I mean, there you're going to get complete decimation, uh, you know, shopping centers, department stores, strip malls. I mean, all these companies, you know, were on life support before due to the, you know, Amazon effect and stuff like that. But now this is it. I mean, they were hanging on by a thread and now the thread is gone. Uh, so lots of small retailers, even large retailers going bankrupt. Uh, and so it, it, the rents are just going to stop. So this is going to be a huge collapse in commercial uh, real estate. But also the unemployment is going to be much greater. I mean, obviously it already is, but a lot of people just assume that these rates are going to come. I mean, the unemployment rate is going to come all the way back down, you know, once we open the economy back up. But once we do that, you know, it's not going to open back up to what it was. I mean, because what it was was a bubble. And the bubble has popped. So I think most of the jobs that have been lost are not coming back. I mean, some of them may come back tem temporarily until the employers find out that they don't need them. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have a much higher unemployment rate. This is a much deeper recession. The financial losses are going to be much greater. And I think the end game is going to be worse. It's not going to be another stock market bubble, another real estate bubble, which is what the Fed was able to succeed in doing last time to kick the can down the road for a decade. Right. By replacing one bubble with an even bigger bubble, it mm -hmm. won't work this time. I think they're going to destroy the dollar and unleash massive inflation on the economy. So in addition to being unemployed, people are going to see that the cost of living is going to go up dramatically at the same time. Now, Peter Yael here. One thing that you've often talked about in your career are the impacts of government policies on not only the our wallets and um, all of our kind of fiscal policy and everything that happens in our own economies, um, what is your view of the lockdown? You know, how has this been carried out? What has been the impact? Because often we're talking about very indirect things that the Fed might be doing or that uh, they might be doing in D.C., but this is a actually a time when government is saying you're not allowed to do business. What is your kind of view of how it's been handled in a couple of states? Uh, well, I think the whole government reaction has been misplaced. I mean, A, I think we've we've overreacted to uh, the, 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 the virus in the way we've shut everything down. I mean, I, I don't think that the government cure is, you know, proportionate to the disease. In fact, I think it's worse. I think it's going to do more harm uh, than the disease itself. And I think one of the reasons that the states and it's mostly the state governments right that have done this it's not the federal government right it's all the governors and the mayors and they're all ordering these lockdowns and these forced closures and things like that but i think the reason they're doing it is because they know the federal government and the federal reserve is providing uh the aid 
right? So that when governors order businesses closed and all these workers don't have jobs, the government is providing the supplemental unemployment benefits that in many cases exceed uh, what people were earning when they were still employed. All these businesses are getting federal government bailouts that are the result of state and local government decisions. And in fact, now even the governments themselves, the, the municipal governments, the state governments are asking the federal government for aid to replace the tax revenue that they're no longer collecting from the businesses that they decided to order shut. Uh, so mm -hmm. this has been a massive moral hazard. I mean, the Trump administration, Congress should have made it clear from day one, no federal bailouts. The Federal Reserve should have made it clear. We're not going to monetize this debt. Any decisions a state wants to make to shut down a business or to force people to stop working, then you that state needs to deal with those costs. Taxes need to be raised to cover these costs. You can't just assume that it's all going to be paid for by the Fed printing money because that's worse, right? The money printing, the massive deficits, the huge increase in federal spending and federal deficits is going to be much worse for the economy than COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I remember watching, watching um, I forget which conference you were at, but you were basically talking about the Trump tax uh, cuts in some sense in, in the same light. Critis critical of the tax cuts, not because um, tax cuts aren't desirable, but critical because it didn't come with a reduction in spending. And that leads just me to ask you, like, what, how does the, the federal government dig out of this problem? I mean, obviously, the trajectory is print, uh, print and spend, which has inflationary consequences and all sorts of moral hazard and whatnot, but what, from your view, what should the federal government do or what could the federal government do or the Federal Reserve do or not do to help actually move America forward in like a post-COVID era to avoid some of these, these consistent uh, and predictable uh, conundrums? Well, nothing. I mean, <laughs> the Fed can't do anything to help us, but they can do stuff to hurt us, like mm -hmm. what they're doing now. Right. What they're doing now is going to hurt the economy. So it's just an extra extra damage being inflicted on the economy. Now, one of the things the Fed has already done to make the economy so vulnerable to the current uh, you know, situation is having kept interest rates artificially low in the past. See, the big problem is that we've got no savings. Right. So let's mm -hmm. assume that what the government is doing is actually necessary. Let's say we really knew, do need to shut down the economy for a while uh, in order to allow the disease to kind of pass, right? So to try to clamp down on the spread of COVID-19. So mm -hmm. businesses need to shut down. Uh, people need to stop working for a while. Well, that means we need to rely on our savings to get us through the hard times. If, if, if businesses don't have revenue, they have to use their savings to cover their overhead. If workers don't have a paycheck, they need to use their savings to cover their rent, uh, to cover their mortgage, to make their car payments. But the problem is nobody has any savings. Everybody is levered up. Businesses are levered up. Uh, workers are living paycheck to paycheck. The government has no savings. They've been running massive deficits when times were supposedly good. All of this is because of the Fed. Because the Fed has kept interest rates so low for so long, 
They have punished people for saving money and rewarded people for going into debt. And so now when we face an economic crisis where we need savings to get us through, we have no savings. It's like, you know, we have no rainy day fund and now it's pouring. Right. And so there's nothing there. So the Fed has already done incredible damage based on what it's done in the past. And now it's doing even more damage uh, by doing the same thing. So what the Fed should be doing now is apologizing for the to the nation for all the mistakes it's made in the past. They should let interest rates go up, not bail out anybody. And now we're going to have to have a much worse economic downturn than the one that we would have had in 08 had we had they done the right thing then which, of course, you know, is worse than had we done the right thing in 2001. I mean, the government, the Federal Reserve has repeated the same mistake on a bigger scale every time one of its own bubbles pops. Peter, our show is broadcast on the same station as the Dave Ramsey show. So there's a lot of people who listen who are um, against credit cards. They don't have consumer debt, but there are a lot of people in our country who do. Um, so what about this bubble of, of credit card debt during this time? You know, I don't know if any recent numbers have come out of, that you've seen. You know, what's the bubble like for the credit card debt that we have in this country? And, and what really what will that mean for our livelihoods going forward? Well, of course, you know, we have over a trillion dollars worth of credit card debt, but we are, you know, we're going close to two trillion dollars in student loan debt. I mean, that's like one point seven, one point eight trillion. Then you throw on mortgage debt on top of that. But, you know, one of the things that Dave Ramsey misses, you know, he talks about, hey, you don't want to have debt. Right. Well, every American citizen has debt, even if they don't have any themselves, because every American is responsible for their share of the national debt. I mean, that's every American who actually works and pays taxes because the people who are on welfare, right, technically they're not on the hook for it because they're not paying taxes. But if you're a taxpayer, you're on the hook and the average American taxpayer's share of the total national debt is like a couple of hundred thousand dollars a piece. So every American is is loaded up with debt, whether they have it or not. You know, and they're going to suffer either because their taxes are going to be raised through the roof. In fact, right now, the government is actually borrowing more money than it collects in taxes. More than 50 cents of every dollar the federal government spends is borrowed, which means for the federal government to live within its means, it would have to double the taxes that every American pays right now. And how many Americans could afford to double to pay twice as much as they're paying in taxes? Obviously, they can't. But what's going to happen is the government is going to print all this money. It's going to pay for it through inflation. And so Americans are going to get wiped out by debt through inflation. That is the problem. So what the, the advice that Dave Ramsley forgets to give everybody is to get out of dollars, to get out of U.S. assets, to get out of U.S. stocks, to get out of U.S. bonds. Because you're going to be obliterated based on the debt that the government has committed every American to pay. And either they're going to pay it you know, in money by paying higher taxes or they're going to pay for it through lost purchasing power because the value of their money is going to collapse because the federal government is going to have to print all the money that it needs to spend. And some some critics of, of your position or the, the forecast of inflation and hyperinflation will say that the U.S. currency being kind of a global currency and used abroad will help um, weather the storm in some sense. Uh, what's your take on that? Does that argument have any merit or do you do you see uh, do you see this forecast kind of happen, happening regardless? 
Well, that's the reason we've been able to get to the point that we're at now, right? Had the dollar not been the global reserve currency, this would have happened a long time ago, right? So what's enabled us to kick the can down the road was the dollar status as the reserve currency. We would not have been able to get away with it without that. But mm -hmm. the point is, there is a line that once you cross it, uh, you've gone too far. The problem is you don't know where that line is until after you've crossed it. At some point, right, you build up so much debt, you've printed so much money that we have a currency crisis because all of a sudden the world realizes that the dollar cannot continue as the reserve currency because we have abused that privilege, that we simply have too much debt, we're simply printing too much money, that the cost of maintaining the dollar as the reserve currency is no longer something that the world is willing to bear. And then the dollar crashes, right? On And then it's too late, right? I mean, once that happens and you have a crisis, you've lost the opportunity to do something to head that off, right? To do something mm -hmm. on our own, cutting government spending, uh, you know, bringing the deficits under control, you know, kind of storing, you know, shoring up confidence. Because once the confidence is lost, because the debts are too big, that's it. And that's what I'm saying is going to happen, that nothing that can't go on forever will go on forever. And mm -hmm. we've been, you know, we, we've been kicking this can down the road for long enough. I think we've caught up to it. I don't think there's enough road left that we can kick it again. I think this is it. This is when the chickens are coming home to roost. This is the day of reckoning, right, where we're going to have to pay uh, for all of our past profligacy. Uh, mm -hmm. This is this, you know, this is where the buck stops, literally. And so, in in wrapping up, I do have one one funny question for you. I, I and this is kind of based on my personal history of listening to some of the the forecasts that you were making. I know that you took a lot of heat from people uh, like the Ben Steins of the world and Laffer and and all of those other um, uh, economists and commentators. Did you? ever get your I told you so moment or did you ever have uh, post 08 crisis moments where you got brought back with some of those naysayers and got to say hey guys well you know Ben Stein actually publicly apologized to me and he said he should have listened and in fact he ended up writing a blurb on one of my later books uh, uh, the real crash so that was mm -hmm. nice of Ben Stein to kind of admit that you know that I was right guys like Art Laffer have never admitted I was right you know, even though I actually had a bet with Laffer, he's refused to pay off the bet. He never gave me my penny. He never wrote that note. That was part of the bet that was saying he was wrong and I was right. So some people refuse to admit that I got it right. And they just like to say I'm a stop clock. And of course, you know, a lot of people are now still making fun of me because the forecast that I made of high inflation or hyperinflation back in 2010, 11, 12, uh, those forecasts have not come to fruition uh, so people think I was wrong. I wasn't wrong. I was just a decade early. But I am going to be proven right in a bigger way. In fact, the dollar's demise is going to be even greater. The amount of inflation that we're actually going to suffer is going to be far worse because we succeeded in kicking the can down the road for a decade. Because during that decade, all the problems that concern me have gotten much bigger. It's a much bigger bubble. There's a lot more air that's going to come out. And that means investors, of course, are going to lose a lot more money if they don't do the right thing now and get out of U.S. assets, buy some gold and silver, get some mining stocks, check out my, my fund, my gold fund, the Europe Pacific Gold Fund, fastest growing gold fund 
uh, in the U.S. right now, EPGFX, uh, got a great track record in that fund. And also look at getting into some foreign stocks. Look at Switzerland and Norway and Singapore and, and, and Hong Kong and New Zealand. And some of these markets where we're investing in, some of these stocks that have really, really good values, but more importantly, uh, the dividends that they, that they pay are in currencies that are going to go way up when the dollar tanks. And so people can have a real inflation hedge and have retirement income that will actually have meaning. Because I think most people who are currently retired are going to have to go back to work because it's their money that's going to retire and not them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for joining the show. Um, we really appreciate it. We hope to ha have you on again. Always appreciate your insights. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Okay, great. Bye-bye.